if your team is doing the same thing, but they're doing the same thing from a place of anxiety or from a place of curiosity, it will have a very clear impact on productivity in the long term, even if it is not in the short term. But to give this responsibility, divide it within the company without blame, right? without blaming people and to really being open to listening to what they are saying, actually just does not like create empowerment, but also creates a mood and brings the team together rather than just yeah. being a group of people thinking in their own heads about their own interests. Everybody starts to think together for the team. And that is what separates a group of people from a team. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking and achieve significant HR success. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Now, whether you are listening to this episode for the first time or the hundredth time, please let me take this opportunity to say thank you for joining me today on what I think is going to be a fantastic conversation as we delve into the psychology and neuroscience behind human behavior, behind leadership, and basically about unlocking the potential within people like you listening to this podcast. Now, before I introduce today's guest, please let me just say, if you enjoy the show, please do remember to subscribe to it. And of course, if you have a spare moment, please give it a little cheeky review as well. That'd be hugely appreciated. And of course, share it with all of our human resources and learning and development colleagues. So on to today's guest, because today I'm joined here by emotional intelligence, communication and leadership coach, Sumit Gupta, who is a qualified leadership coach who has worked with teams and individuals in India and throughout Europe for the past 15 years. He's researched and studied the psychology and neuroscience behind human behavior and leadership, and has used this knowledge to help others to realize how powerful and influential they are and can be. Now, Summit coaches change makers from both the business world in particular, as well as individuals, and he helps them to see past their own challenges to enable them to make a big impact in the world. I think it's fair to say that helping others to realize how powerful they can be is what Summit's all about. It's what this podcast is all about. So that's why I've invited him today onto today's show, because I hope over the next 45 minutes or so, he's going to be able to unlock some of the greatness inside all of you. Yes, that's you, our listeners. So let's get started. Allow me to introduce Summit Gupta to the show. Welcome, Summit. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite good. Thank you, Nick, for the wonderful introduction. And thank you for having me. Pleasure, pleasure to have you here. Let me start with this opening question I give all my guests. What does the word or the, the phrase or the, or the title human resources mean to you? Um, I, I think for me, it's a, it's an evolving phrase, I think. I think we are evolving from uh, seeing people as resources to seeing people as people. And so for me, it's, uh, it's something which we have caught on from the 20th century. But I think it will evolve in the 21st century and it is already evolving uh, to really see the potential in people for who they are, like 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 seeds, uh, yeah. which can grow, which can flourish and nourish, rather than a resource to be to be utilized for a particular project or business and so on. 
Very nice. Very nice. I know that you talked about flourishing and, and let's actually let, let's talk about your website because on there, you know, you you mentioned that you regularly see very talented, very smart people undersell themselves, that they as a result of that, they sometimes can limit their dreams, their desires and their results. And you say it's because of three main factors. So rather than me tell the audience here, I wonder if you could just give us a flavor of what you think those three main factors are that are really limiting performance or in particular context of this podcast, leadership capability. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think one of the main reasons why I think even very successful people, very successful leaders feel like like empty or hollow from the inside is the culture that we are living in. And I think it's a very interesting conversation where we are put down whenever we try to stand out. Especially if you look at organizations, people are always expected to behave according to a certain profile, to a certain job description. And anything which goes beyond that is rather than seeing it as a unique trait of somebody, people are pushed down. And this this also happens when we are growing up in our families, in, in our culture. We are asked to adhere to, to the rules of the school, to the rules of the community, to the rules of the family. And then anybody who tries to stand out does not fit in. And I think that's where imposter syndrome comes in. The thought of feeling like a fake or feeling yeah. like you do, not, you do not deserve this, I think comes from this culture of growing up in a society where standing out for who you are and expressing yourself totally openly is not acceptable or is still seen in a, in a very, very negative light. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing that the society and the culture we grow up in does not allow us to be ourselves openly and express ourselves. And that stops us from uh, actually dreaming big, going after what we dream, uh, and to be to be just uh, open to who we are authentically. Okay. But, okay, just to play devil's advocate with that slightly, do you not think as, as humans we need boundaries, though? If, if we took those boundaries away... Could we? Could it result in bedlam? We need rules. We need we need certain things to keep an keep an order to things. So, so where does it leave us with those boundaries? What would you say, what would you come back with 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 that? I I think boundaries are very important, right? But boxes are not. What we okay, are nice. doing is putting people into boxes when we label people as their role or as their nationality or as their title. We are putting people into boxes. Yes, boundaries are important. So that's where the values come in, the okay. values of a society, the values of a company. And then if you cross those values, if you cross cross those standards, there are repercussions for that. Like we have laws in the society. So that's an example of creating boundaries that serve sure. us. Uh, but then uh, there have also been examples of uh, boundaries within families or within uh, organizations, which does not adhere to any such globalized uh, um, like value or standard because every company, every family can have a different standard. So there is there is always the, the risk of overdoing it. And I think yeah. that's where we, we tend to be. Uh, so boundaries are very important. It, they, it, they are like the guardrails. So they will keep you safe. Uh, but if they try to, if they start to stop you from doing what you want to do, that's, uh, that's a freedom I think which every leader should have is to shift the boundaries or to question the boundaries. Okay, nice. So if we're focused then on leadership for a moment, what's the relationship from your perspective between leadership and learning, particularly for some very high level leaders we have listening to this HRND podcast because HR directors, learning development directors and so on. What, what is that relationship? To me, leadership is almost synonymous with learning. I wouldn't uh, separate the two uh, and I wouldn't put in blocks for learning. The way I see it is that every opportunity or every moment, 
and each conversation is an opportunity for learning so learning only stops when we stop learning rather than something in the outside environment uh, and especially in the kind of world we are living in which is very volatile which is very difficult to predict all of the uncertainty being open to learning is the first step so every conversation am am i going into am i open to learning something is there something which i might be missing or is there something which uh, which might be new or something which might be different from my point of view so for me learning is uh, learning happens on the job first of all learning happens all the time the only question is are we close to learning and are we are we open to learning and once we say are we open to learning first of all that creates a, a mood of curiosity and openness not just for you but also for the for everybody around them that immediately brings the tension down or stress down if if even if there is any so it it has an impact on the mood itself the energy itself of the of the team uh but learning is there in every moment so and you can be very conscious about it learn from coaches learn from books uh but or you can also learn on the job from every interaction you have uh and then ask yourself this question right what is it that am i not seeing here what what can i learn from this person from this sure. opportunity from this conversation so it involves asking more questions of ourselves well i i guess you know you're an expert in unlocking potential so do you find when you're dealing with senior leaders that sometimes when they feel they've hit a plateau or they've lost that motivation it's because they've stopped learning or they stopped consciously learning because we're not always talking about courses here this isn't about necessarily undertaking a new study or or you know going to do a new qualification which can be quite a time steal can be a a huge amount of resources you're talking about everyday learning in every situation so is this something that you're coming across with leaders who are feeling demotivated or are feeling a little bit stuck and they've just lost that that conscious learning bit they they're not i don't know what what is it you find in leaders who are perhaps feeling a little bit unmotivated or or stuck Yes so i think one of my most fascinating discoveries is that every strength of yours becomes a weakness at some point of time no, so okay. everything which has brought you where you are today if you are a leader you are in a certain place you are in a certain position title uh, you have a certain amount of success behind you every skill which you call a strength which has brought you where you are today will become a weakness or will have a dark side Uh, to give an example if somebody who has been very hard working who has somebody been pushing through challenges um, by focusing by focusing their energies and that has brought them success can often result in burnout can often result in creating a mood of frustration around the team and then that person has to shift their their emotional intelligence skills as that person has to shift something so that their strength be- remains a strength it does not stops them they can use the positive side of the strength and then they can learn something new for the next phase of their career another example is uh, some people learn to collaborate and work so they are they are very good uh, collaborators but they do not see discipline they, they are not very good at ex- execution and that's yeah. very good in a particular kind of role or in a particular kind of companies but suddenly what happens is when you shift companies or when the environment changes the situation changes like like we are seeing with covid the same strength becomes a liability so every strength you have which has gotten you here has a dark side and first of all are you aware of the cost of that and then what are you willing to do about it so these are these are two questions i think which comes up and make I, people struck yeah i've never considered that before but actually it resonates with me so i would i would actually say hard working is one of my strengths right and and certainly you know be i'm aware of things like burnout but interestingly when you're so focused on achieving a goal in your business life it's like a yin and yang it means that actually it can impact you negatively in your 
personal life. Yes. And actually, if you're frustrated at home because things, you know, you haven't had the time with your children or your family, whatever it might be, that can also manifest itself in frustration at work. Whereas if I'm happy at home, I tend to be happier at work. But it's sometimes very difficult to get that balance when you're so, you know, head down working to achieve certain business goals. And actually, they, they work very closely together. So I can understand. I would say it's definitely a strength of mine. In, in a work context, but I would say it's a weakness of mine in a home context because I haven't quite got that balance right. So I'm guessing that's kind of one of the examples you you may pick up on if we were chatting or we were working through so optimizing my, my work, my work rate. Yes, exactly. And to tie it with learning, um, being always in that action mode can actually stop you from listening, can stop you from empathizing with what is happening because you're too focused on the project, on the task, on the activity that you do not pay attention to what the other person is thinking, feeling, or might be thinking or feeling. Uh, so being very action-oriented can actually take you away from being connected with the person, with the conversation, and that prevents you from learning what is very apparent to you if you slow down and if you pay your attention to the relationship to the other person or to the team in general. So do, do you think, just using that, that last uh, the last um, resonation for me really as an example, do you think leaders take enough time to self-reflect? Do you think we're so head down and I would terminate, you know, there's an up campaign of look up more and actually looking up from a strategic point of view, looking up just if you're outdoors. Do you think leaders spend enough time or dedicate enough time on self-reflection? So I, I have seen both kinds of leaders. I have and I know a lot of leaders who regularly take time off uh, and put time in their calendar, either on a weekly basis, uh, sometimes even multiple times a week to reflect, yeah. to reflect alone, then to reflect with their teams and then to reflect with, with their organizational leadership. So reflection can also happen on multiple levels. But at the same time, I also know a lot of people who do not take that time or who see that taking that time is actually a waste of time or, or yeah. to always be focused on the results, always be focused on the on driving um, progress rather than stopping. And one of the one of the phrases which I which I love and which I uh, try to use with with leaders is that slow down to speed up. Yeah, it's sometimes to to speed up what you need to do is to slow down. Sure. It's, it's like refueling your car. If you don't refuel your car because you're in a hurry, you will eventually be stranded on the side of the road. And, yeah. and, the, and the analogy for that is, is burnout or, or some, some kind of uh, uh, breakdown in, in the team, in the relationships uh, at, at work or, as you said, right, with your family or, or even worse, with your health. I have to say that, that again, it resonates with me. So I'm a big um, fan of the performance podcast. And actually, I think this is, a, this is it's a quite an interesting time to mention this uh, example because we've just had the, for those that follow the Formula One Grand Prix finale, we've had uh, you know the, the, the Verstappen win over Lewis Hamilton in the last minute. But in that performance podcast, they say that the race is won and lost in the pit stop. It's won and lost in that period of recovery because in slowing down for those 20 seconds to get your tyres changed and everything else, it allows you, to go faster whereas if you go ahead you know, pedal to the metal the entire race eventually your car fails the wheel you know the tires go and you, and you end up you know not finishing where you want to be I, they talk I, that's not my um, anecdote i've got that from performance podcast but it really resonated with me because you're absolutely right it's it's in those recovery periods it's in those periods of reflection those periods where we slow down that actually it enables us to speed up that that's something that worked for me anyway listening to that example I and mean, it was so prevalent in in, in the race at the weekend um, I, I think that's a wonderful anecdote. That's a wonderful analogy that uh, the race is won in the pit stop. 
and i think it goes with everything in life and one of the practices which i recommend both individuals and teams is to actually dedicate time in in the calendars to do that alone and do that as a as a team as well sure so bring it back to coaching uh, just a moment just make sure that the audience have really picked up on on the key points what are the what are the main what's the main relevance or importance of coaching then when it comes to leadership i can i can talk about coaching in either a personal capacity or in a team or leadership capacity so from a personal capacity i think many times we cannot see our own blind spots so if i am a very action oriented person then every problem i face every challenge i face every dream or ambition i will apply the same mentality there right so by definition i will not be able to see the other side of the story or a different way to looking at things right so i i would not be able to slow down maybe maybe interview five people yeah. and then take their feedback right so i might miss a lot of things so that's where Uh, coaching comes in personally to show people what they cannot see by definition because they they are so good at something else right so it does not make yeah. sense for them in the moment to actually drop out what is what has worked for them coaching for me is a is a way to see the mirror and you see the mirror why 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 do we all see the mirror in the morning right we see the mirror because we want to see what we cannot see we cannot see our face so we see the we look at the mirror and then we fix something if we see something new yeah and the coaching metaphor is the same metaphor that you work with a coach the coach shows you a mirror shows you what your skills are what your strengths are what are the dark sides of that strength yeah. and then that gives you an opportunity to do something about it whether you take action or not is still your choice and you have complete choice with everything in in coaching and leadership uh, but the biggest barrier is not even seeing that so it's sure. like that i don't even know that i don't know and and that's a very very important distinction because i do not know guitar like i, I can see guitar behind you yeah. i do not know guitar but i know what well, should i do they look nice though <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah but but there is a difference right so i know that i do not know guitar but there yeah. are many things yeah. which i do not even know that i do not know and that's where a coach comes in so how do you deal with then because you know, sometimes self reflection can be a painful exercise it's not something we've always that we think we're open to it and suddenly someone comes i mean I'll use the word criticism I'm sure you put it in a more delicate way but the reality is we may look at that mirror and not always like what we are being told we're seeing or or actually what we are seeing so we don't always admit it to ourselves right so how do you get over those hurdles when quite clearly there's an there's an issue there quite clearly you've identified it but for whatever reason or not there's a defensive barrier defensive wall that comes up in in our in our leadership capabilities which we don't like being questioned although the reality is very few of us are actually trained in leadership skill we we get to those roles through mm-hmm. usually performance that doesn't involve leadership which is quite an interesting conversation on its own how do you as a, as a skill coach bring those walls down i think that's the second part of uh, coaching which i was talking about from a leadership perspective right. coaching is also a leadership style or a way to communicate where you have the other person see what is missing for them so you are a facilitator in the process so it's it's not like the coach is telling them this is your weak spot because that can immediately put you into a defensive state as you sure. said right so it's through a process of questioning and through a process of always taking permission to go deeper and to address some of those uh, those things and then have the person through a conversation automatically look at what they might be missing what uh, so the coaching process itself is creating that safe space first of all where you can have those conversations where you can slow down deliberately like like i'm doing now so yeah. you can slow down deliberately you can give space for those conversations which you don't normally have 
you can give space for those defensiveness to come out or those emotions to come out and then it's very important for the coach to not react to not to hold the space all right so if if somebody is reacting in whichever way whether it's anger whether it's um, emotion like like sadness or whether it's a very a, a very vulnerable position it's important for the coach to hold the space right to create a container under which the person first of all can feel fully safe and to share whatever they want to share without the fear of being judged yeah or being uh, put into box again put into labels uh, sure. and and i think that's uh, that's a very important thing and this is this is something that i need to to take on a little bit more because as a as a podcast interviewer as a recruitment interview i'm interviewing all the time which means i'm often listening with the intent to respond but sometimes we just need to listen <laughs> without that intention piece which is sometimes quite difficult for me anyway because i'm i'm already thinking about the next thing but sometimes when you do that you lose sight of of where you are and actually say space is so important so i think you, you put that really really well so to, to to turn this on its head a little bit then we've talked about the self reflective piece what typically are the factors you see that regularly leads to excellence in in individuals and, and and team performance you know the role of talent or skill or ability and how that plays versus as you mentioned at the start of this podcast say workplace culture i think that's a that's a very fascinating uh, subject which i love to discuss is because uh, i see a lot of organizations and a lot of people when it comes to their performance they focus on their ability or they focus on their skills yeah right and and while all of that is important and we have covered this from an individual perspective of Guilty. coaching yeah. <laughs> right yeah. so all of that is important but at the same time when we work with teams when we work in organizations big and small the culture of the team the the mood and the energy of the team and the organization plays a huge role so i i actually have a, an equation where i say performance is equal to ability plus the size of the company into the culture the smaller the company is the smaller your team is your individual ability basically defines a huge amount of your performance so if you are part of a startup which is five people your individual ability of each person will drive the performance your your performance and also the company's performance what once you are working in a 50 people company as the size increases the culture part of the performance equation grows bigger and your ability while it remains uh, like the the starting factor it's it's the platform on which you build performance but the culture can actually i- inhibit performance or it can pull it up okay. it can have these two impacts and the bigger the company the impact of the culture is the larger and especially in large corporates especially in large companies where tens of thousands of people are working uh, the impact that the culture has uh, i think a missing conversation in companies that whenever there is poor performance whenever there is lack of performance people look at individuals rather than looking at the culture so people look at what can we shift how can we shift this person or how can we train this person better to improve the performance instead of asking what can we do with the culture so that it does not just increase the performance of this person but also everybody who is impacted by something sure. about the culture especially with teams and organizations i think culture is a huge blind spot which we do not uh, look at we do not go into like breaking it apart and then pulling it putting it back together in a way that allows for performance rather than inhibit inhibiting performance yeah it's interesting it's a more holistic approach and actually i guess now 
post-pandemic, a lot of companies have done this not by choice, but they've had to kind of pull their cultures apart and then re-pull them back together. We've got new ways of working. We've got new ways of flexibility. We've got remote management, new ways of recruitment, onboarding, all those things that have come, come around. As you, you mentioned earlier about it's the outcomes we need to look at. And actually, we've, we've moved into an outcomes-based leadership model now because not everyone can do the micromanagement thing. So how have you seen the, you know, I've given some examples which you, you referenced, but how have you really seen the pandemic influence workplace culture and leadership going forward and do you, do you do you see some of those changes as being being positive ones as, as we move towards that uh, more towards an output based model i think i think in the short term the disruption is uh, not positive but okay. i think over the period of long term and the pandemic will be seen as a positive force in in our economies for our workplace for our well-being and so on and I, as i said the pandemic is bringing to the surface what was always there. Yeah. And one of those things is uncertainty and the unpredictability of uh, working with people. Sure. Right? We have we have adapted to, to a very hybrid and a very remote world, while in the beginning, everybody had their concerns of how will we adapt to not being in, in the office. Uh, so first of all, it, again, tied to learning, that if we are closed to learning from the pandemic, learning from a new way of working. And this might be different for companies. This might be different across countries. Uh, this might be different across industries. Right? Yeah, so without trying to standardize one one set of principles or approaches and then put it everywhere uh, to really being open to listening to what is happening in my company, what is happening in my team. What are people liking about the remote world? What are people hating about the remote world? How can I not come in the way of what they are already liking? But how can I support what they are not liking, right? Rather than saying this, 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 yeah. because I have seen this work in this team or this company, to be really been open and then adapting, because it's an unpredictable world. We don't know what is going to happen next. Sure. Uh, so the the adaptation is very important. And then, again, from a culture point of view, a lot of the processes which we had in companies when we used to physically sit together are suddenly irrelevant when we are working remotely. So looking at those processes which we take for granted in companies and then readapting them to the, to a new kind of world. And again, experimenting, seeing what is working, giving people the autonomy to, to basically try it out different things in their teams, in their organizations, and then tie it together back again as a, as a whole, as a company, and then bring it down. I think it would be a big mistake if we start to keep all the same processes which used to yeah. happen physically and then just expect them to work on yeah. on like talking to screens because talking to screens is very different than talking to, to a human being in person. Uh, so we cannot expect the same processes to have the same impact which they used to have in a, in a previous a pre-remote world. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. I think it's I think it's important that, that as you've just done that we remind ourselves that it's not the same. 
as well. You know, it is different and it's very easy to fall into the trap of thinking it's the same. I think, um, interestingly, certainly from a recruitment perspective, from the clients that I've worked with, I do feel that those that have been most open to learning about how the pandemic has impacted their workforces and those most open to change and being adaptable have been those that have been most successful coming through the pandemic as opposed to those that were resistant to change and tried to fight it and they found they've had to adapt a little bit later through, through you know, being forced to adapt. So I think that that's a, a good example of an outcome there where you say those that are most open-minded to it and open to learning and, and embracing it have actually been, the, from, my, from my perspective, those that have been most successful. What, what are a few um, simple steps then that leaders can take if they really want to expand their capacity and performance when it comes to leading people, or even, even, even for their own performance as well? Yeah, I, I think especially with teams, I think uh, one thing which the pandemic has uh, brought up suddenly is the importance of uh, empathy, is the importance of emotional uh, sure. intelligence. And how do you use that in your communication, especially when sometimes uh, you're only talking to people on chat, yeah. sometimes you're only talking to people on audio, and sometimes you have video. And and one thing which I say is that before emotional intelligence, you need emotional literacy, right? So when you when you see somebody being closed, when somebody with like you, you can see people in their body language. If somebody yeah. is being closed, do you even know that what that means, right? And then do you address that? So this is also listening, but listening to beyond the words. So if yeah. you can listen to that and ask the person, right? This you look a bit closed. Is there something on your personal side or is there something from the work side which is happening that is making you fearful or that is making you anxious? And then what can I do to support you, right? It might be nothing, but just asking that question can mean a huge world of difference for to the other person. Uh, and then if, it, if, it, if there is something which is uh, hidden, which you have done or the company is doing consciously or subconsciously, then that gives you an immediate action point to shift something. On a, on a context level, which will shift every conversation you have in the future. Uh, so the first thing is, I think which is coming up is the communication and uh, emotional intelligence. It is suddenly becoming much more critical. It is suddenly becoming much more important uh, for leadership, especially for leadership role. Sure. I mean, certainly, I know if I was holding this podcast and suddenly changed my own position, for those not, you know, might be listening to this, we've watched this on video, you know, if I suddenly cross my arms, lean back, it changes the whole feeling of the conversation, doesn't it? So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sometimes very easy to forget those visual cues. So I think it's good to be reminded yes. of them. And it's, it's equally as important in an interview scenario as well, which is something that we're dealing with regularly. Um, people forget. And I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. If there's something behind the, 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 the visual cue, we need to explore that and, and, and tackle that in, in more detail for sure. So what do you often find then is, is missing in organisations, which is really preventing them, stopping them, I guess, impacting either business, uh, relational or, or cultural goals or cultural objectives they're trying to achieve at the moment? Yeah, yeah. So there, there are two things which I would state here. One is exactly what I what I was talking earlier about teams. So because of the lack of focus on team performance versus individual performance, uh, it is there is a belief that if you put five or six or ten people together, that creates a team, right? But but in my eyes, that only creates a group of people. <laughs> what creates a team is when there is a unified purpose, when there is a unified set of values, when there is a clear and everybody has brought in bought in into that right so and and then to regularly have those conversations so let's say you start with five people six months down the line half the team has changed but have you told those people what are the values what is the mission what is the purpose of the team to regularly have these conversations uh, with, with the team and another set of conversations which which I, I find that uh, that is missing 
is understanding what is everybody's role and then how does the role decides what what work is dis- divided between people and who is responsible for what so one thing which i say is that every team member is not just responsible for their own work but also for the entire team's uh, output and not in a way of burdening the person but yeah. in a way that if they notice something which is missing for the team they should be able to point it out they might not be able to do anything about it that's a team leader or the manager's job but they should be open to point it out point it out to whoever is actually accountable for that and that's with that's the difference between accountability and responsibility so only the team manager or the team leader is accountable for the team's result but everybody can be responsible sure right so they can be responsible and they can bring up whatever concerns they have to the person who is accountable so yeah, that so, secure environment is set up through the culture and the values and the and behaviors you set up at the start it's quite empowering isn't it it must be empowering for those that you know maybe look up to a leader look up to a director maybe you're quite junior in a team but actually having that ability to feel like you can you can be responsible and you can raise these issues it must be really empowering for unlocking some of that potential you're going to you're going to discover ideas and thoughts and and processes that may never have come to the surface if you didn't have that that level of engagement yeah it's it's very empowering it's totally shifts the mood of the team i think and and i think we don't uh, acknowledge that but the mood in which people are working is very important and sure. it directly ties down to productivity if uh, if your team is doing the same thing but they're doing the same thing from a place of anxiety or from a place of uh, curiosity it will have uh, a very clear imp- impact on productivity in the long term even if it is not in the short term but to give this responsibility divided within the company without blame right without blaming people and to really being open to listening to what they are saying actually just does not like create empowerment but also creates a mood and brings the team together rather than just yeah. being a group of people thinking in their own heads about their own interests everybody starts to think together for the team and that is what separates a group of people from a team that that focus on teams is i think what what i see missing Uh, in organizations and there is a huge scope of uh, basically going after particular conversations like conversations about the mission the values the standards the boundaries what we are trying to do then the commitments right uh, does everybody know what the team has committed for the next month for the next week and what is their individual roles and then do they have the authority do they have the openness to actually point out if which they feel is missing Sure. I think that's really insightful. Um so and actually um they say that every good conversation right starts with good listening and the reality is we all like being like to feel like we're being listened to. And it's a really yes. powerful thing that we don't always do but that that power of feeling like you're being listened to is really really important and it builds trust. Um you know I've had podcasts with Stephen Covey and on on the speed of trust and the power of trust and actually if you haven't got trust in your team everything else is quite superficial if you can build that through some of the processes you've just mentioned there I, i think it's a a really insightful way of talking about the difference between a group of people as you put it and i've never considered it this way and a yes. team and there is a distinctive difference as you as you quite rightly pointed out which is which is fantastic so talking about values um i may well mention here you've got on your website that you've got four core values yourself and um, i think you've listed courage care and compassion reflection and integrity can you expand on or well, two things really one why you particularly have selected these as your four critical core values but also expand on why you think it's important that leaders and individuals also take the time to reflect on what their own core values are Yeah I think I think your values are are like the engine on which you runs right so if you do not know your value then you're not you're not even sure what is driving you 
and you're not sure how do you deal how do you want to deal with difficult situations or challenges which will eventually come and that is different from what i call a leadership lighthouse which is a true north where which tells you where you are going okay. which is basically for me leadership is important so i am a leadership coach uh, and if if uh, and photography is important for me so i am also a photographer on the side so that's my true north right so if i am uh, not feeling happy that tells me what am i not doing it it will be either for my work which is very important to me uh, but the way i do it is determined by my values and particularly for me why i have chosen courage is because i have struggled with courage so much in my life okay uh, and and i have confused courage with confidence and i have not taken action on my dreams on my ambitions on my teams because i thought i did not have the confidence while what was required was courage and and the way i separate these two out is that confidence is an outcome of doing something so if i do something multiple times i gain confidence that's a natural okay. process okay courage is what you require to do something for the first time or to do something when there is uncertainty right so courage is very critical to leadership and and a, a lot of people i see stop themselves because a lack of confidence and yeah. it is just that misconception that i need confidence before i need before i can act while you don't need confidence confidence is the natural outcome of acting if you do anything repeatedly you will get better at it and you will build confidence what you need is courage and i have uh, uh, lacked that so much or i have said that i lacked courage so much and that's it is so important for me because everything we talk about leadership is almost impossible unless we have the courage to go over the like it, like like the saying goes like a ship is not built to be at the harbor and what is required to go beyond what is your comfort zone is courage so courage yeah. is very important nice I, but, i love that distinction by the way it's it's yes. yeah, it makes sense to me yeah and the, and the, i think the integrity one is is very important to getting things done and for me integrity is as simple as saying what you said you will do and then not doing what you said you will not do if you fail in this because we are all human beings we are all imperfect human beings if we do not do what we said we will do to actually go ahead and make amends with the with the people or with the uh, parties who are who are affected which could be saying i am sorry which could be saying what can i do to make it up or which could be saying i make a fresh promise that this will not happen again and uh, this is without getting into any kind of judgment this is this is integrity without making anybody right and wrong this is a very neutral task based state of integrity and that builds trust so if i say something and i don't do it this basically impacts my whole leadership right so there is no leadership without courage there is no leadership without integrity so that's um, how i see integrity yes okay and so i mean these are your four do you think these four core values then should be applicable for most leaders or should every leader find their own core values I think everybody has to decide their own core values right and because there is no one one formula which fits all for every every leader courage as an emotion courage as an trait is something which everybody needs to build or yeah. cultivate but to have this as a primary value i think it depends on the situation you are in this depends on the kind of challenge you are facing uh, if you are if you are working in a company where things are pretty much settled maybe you do not need that courage but maybe you need something else maybe you need listening more maybe you need you need empathy yeah. more right so it depends on everybody and it also depends on the on the situation uh, but the values which you pick and choose can obviously vary and can obviously also vary over time for the same person 
Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm a big believer in the uh, 20 seconds of courage. So as, uh, as you put it, you know, nearly any task can be overcome if you're willing to be brave for 20 seconds. And after that period, wherever, whatever the task is, the task might be an hour long. It's the first 20 seconds that's the hardest. It's the getting started that's the hardest. So I always say, look, don't try and be brave for an hour. Don't try and be brave for half an hour, whatever the time frame is. Even if you use your boat example, it's all about having the courage of, of sailing from the UK to Australia. It's about getting in the boat in that first 20 seconds of leaving the harbour will be the yes. hardest part of your car. After that, it'll all start falling into place. So that's what I would, try and break it down. For me anyway, hopefully it'll help others listening to this because I use this all the time when I'm scared of something or I'm nervous about something. I was like, okay, Nick, well, to be brave just for 20 seconds here. That's all it is. Let's count it down yes, yes. and off we go. For me, that, that really helps anyway. Uh, maybe it'll help others. Hopefully it will. Um, yes, indeed. Obviously, you're an expert on unlocking performance for, for, for leaders um, and, and very high-level leaders as well. If you could give just, just one step one piece if i could narrow it all down and go right so you can only give me one piece of advice for unlocking potential what would that piece of advice be it is to be see leadership and to see all of these traits which we are talking about like listening uh, courage or even even stuff like trust and to see it on a moment by moment basis so leadership is not something which is a trait which defines a person when we blanket a person by saying that he is not trustworthy or even worse, like when we put it on ourselves, that I am not a good leader or I am not courageous. I am putting a blanket on, on, my, on my future as well as my past. Instead of doing that, take it on a moment by moment basis. So there is no such thing as a good leader or a bad leader. Okay. But there is something, there is, there is something that are you being a good leader in this moment? There is no such thing that I am courageous or I am not courageous. The only thing is, am I exercising courage in this moment or not? There is no such thing that I am trustworthy or not. The only thing is that, am I trustworthy in this moment? Am I being honest in this moment or not? So instead of bringing, like keeping the focus on these traits, which can basically blanket your whole life, bring it back to the present moment, right? In this moment, it doesn't matter if you, if you call yourself lack of courage, but can you show courage in this moment? And which could be taking that tiny step. Yeah. Right. You, you you might not see yourself as a leader, but can you do something which is a leadership quality in this moment? And that makes you a leader in that moment. Oh. Instead of taking all of these attributes, traits as long-term attributes, which define a person, I think these are all practices which all of us can choose, can make a choice to practice in any given moment. And I think that's very empowering. That's very, it takes away the burden. It takes away the stress of taking up like an sure. umbrella view of it. Uh, and it's also very practical. It gives people an immediate action. Like if I have to listen, what can I do now, right now to listen better? Uh, I tell you what I love about it. And I think it's really powerful. Summits. I'm glad I asked the question. Thank you so much for sharing. But I think it's, um, it means that we, you know, we're never, we should never be defined by anybody else. We should, you know, we're not necessarily defined by what's been before. We can redefine ourselves at any moment. Um, and if we're living in the moment, it's about how we define ourselves that's important, not how others define us. And I think, I think, you know, if someone says, often we think we're a bad leader because that's been defined by someone else, and we've we've taken on that that criticism and we've accepted it, and now we start to believe it. We're, we're manifesting manifesting ourselves, and we suddenly start thinking what someone else has said is true. What I like about your example is you can let all of that wash over you for a minute and just. Just ask yourself honestly, whatever the action is you're trying to do, how am I feeling in this moment? That that's how. And if, if you if you repeat those moments over time and you always live by them, then you will actually become what it is you want to, to be, right? So I think that's really powerful um, and, a, and a great response. Thank you. 
Um, now, I have to ask this. Um, I saw on your website, that, uh, which I, I should ask, it's going to be in the show notes. Please do check it out. There's a free newsletter on here. There's a number of resources. You can also, of course, book in with Supta for um, summits for um, uh, coaching and training. And, and lot, there's a wealth of things on the website. One thing on there is there's uh, the website is deployyourself.com. And you've undertaken a number of book reviews, which people can read and follow on your website. I noticed you've actually reviewed a number of titles that I've actually read as well. I think most recently you, uh, you reviewed You Can't Hurt me by david goggins which i found a really interesting read myself a fantastic book if you haven't had a chance to check it out from my perspective of all the books you've read and reviewed and you're very well read and you've reviewed so many titles which is the one single title you would recommend to our listeners so that's uh, such a difficult question always <laughs> especially for somebody who loves book yeah so if i were to suggest i think one or two i would suggest uh, conscious business by fred kaufman Okay. I think which ties many of the things which uh, which we have spoken about today together in the context of business, in the context of leadership. Sure. Um, but but when it comes to books, I think it's again, what is the book for a particular uh, particular skill? What is a book? So there is no one book because everybody every book is a conversation with the with the author. That's how I see it. Sure. So if I am talking to a very senior leader in the military, they might be telling me something which is true for them but which might not be applicable for me. So the, the reason I read a lot of books is to assimilate knowledge from multiple sources and then to choose what works for me rather than to choose what works for this person, that person or that expert to this person. So even, even if I'm coaching around leadership, I think one thing which I always say is that take whatever you take from the coaching, then make a choice to whether you want to implement in your life or not and then to adapt based on what you see rather than just taking something because Sumit said so or because this leader sure. said so. Uh, this book said so which is which is the book then that's had most resonance with you on your journey to where you are today has there been a particular book that that, that stands out that's that's really helped you along it doesn't have to be a business book it could be a fictional or any any kind of book but is there something that's really helped you uh, so for me i i also read a lot of uh, autobiographies yeah uh, and i think those have helped me most uh, to decide what kind of leader i am and two autobiographies uh, which which i totally love and like revisit every few years is uh, one is of uh, mahatma gandhi uh, and the and the second one uh, is uh, is of theodore theodore roosevelt wow. uh, yeah and, and i i think the the one with the, the the recent one which which i really loved is nelson mandela it's it's not a recent book but i i read it recently so it's still uh, resonating very much with me uh, it's it's a huge volume of uh, two books, but it's a, it's a wonderful read of uh, the journey. I think which we we can still relate to because we have seen that in the news, we have seen that on TV. Sure. But to connect with uh, what somebody was thinking and what thinking led them to act in a way that they acted, I think for me, autobiographies have shaped me more than business books. That's that's what I would I would say. I, I would I would say I'm exactly the same. I'll be honest. Yeah, I love an autobiography <laughs> as well. I have to say that I'll probably come back with the same. Uh... <laughs> the same response maybe different different autobiographies but certainly they help shape uh, yes. and is what I, I enjoy most for sure but Sumit Gupta it's been an absolute pleasure I think we could talk for hours on this subject I must direct everyone to your website there's so much to take away from that as well but we're going to open the HR L&D vault which are going to be four short sharp questions if you can opening the L&D vault so the first one is this. In hindsight, what is the one thing you now know that you wish you'd known when you began your career? Uh, that I do not need to be ready to do do something new. Readiness will come after that. Uh, I can just start. 
love that. That was straight off the bat. That was very fast. That was, that was brilliant. Okay, excellent. If you can give one piece of advice to the world to help everyone working in human resources, what would it be? Listen, focus on listening. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. If you had the opportunity, what advice would you give a younger you just starting out in the new world of work? I think be open to ideas which you do not believe in. I'm loving these. These are, these are, these are great. By the way, I've given you no prep from these, so I'm amazed by the speed of this one. <laughs> and the last one, what is the single guiding principle or behavior that you've seen in every great or inspirational leader? I think seeing and then creating a great future. Fantastic. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the HR Lindy podcast today. If people want to find out more about yourself, I know obviously I can direct them to deployyourself.com. There will be a link in the show notes with all those resources I've mentioned about, including a free newsletter. So please do check that. You can really help unlock your potential with the insights that Summit sends through on a, on a regular basis. But any other links or social media um, places you'd like to direct to the audience to? So apart from what you just shared, I think I'm very active on LinkedIn. So anybody is free to approach me on LinkedIn or, or leave a question or leave a comment. And I would be very glad to interact with that person. Fabulous. I'll make sure your LinkedIn um, uh, URL is also included in the show notes. You can click through and send a, uh, an invite directly to Summit through the show notes. And of course, if you are an HR and leader listening to this podcast right now, it just leads me to say, please do get in touch with one of my team. If you need support recruiting an HR or L&D professional, you can access our team at www.jgarecruitment.com. And it just leads me to say a huge thank you for joining me once again on the HR and podcast. I wish you all a fantastic Christmas and a happy new year. And I look forward to speaking to you all again real soon. Thank you very much, Summit. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.